Hello, and welcome to another podcast of U.S. History Repeated with Jimmy and Gene. This is Jimmy LaSalle. As our regular followers know, we take a break over the summers and split our season. Our goal is about 20 podcasts a year. We do 10 from January to about June, and then another 10 from September through December. We are going to pick up where we left off, and that means we are at the beginning of the Great Depression, and we are going to discuss the building of the iconic Empire State Building. Gene and I grew up in New York City and are very familiar with the New York City skyline. As kids in the car, we would always be on the lookout for the Empire State Building and the Twin Towers on long drives home, knowing that we were that much closer to getting home. Without any more ado, I want to kick off our season, and I say this, Jeannie, take it away. Okay, well, here we are, season four of U.S. History Repeated. We're going to pick up where we left off. The stock market has just crashed. We are in the beginning of the Great Depression. And in the midst of all of that, one of the most incredible buildings in New York City rises. It's hard to imagine the New York City skyline without the Empire State Building. For native New Yorkers, skyscrapers are a dime a dozen. But there is something special about the Empire State Building. It's iconic. It's been the backdrop or even the star of a number of films over the years. If you traveled back in time to 1928, you wouldn't see the famous building. Instead, you would see the original Waldorf Astoria Hotel. If you went back even further in time, it was the farm of John and Mary Murray. Perhaps you may have heard of Murray Hill in New York City. That's the family it was named after. It was purchased by the Bethlehem Corporation for $20 million in 1928. You may be thinking, why would they sell one of the most popular and largest hotels in the world? Well, the who's who of New York City moved uptown and the hotel followed, eventually reopening at its current location on Park Avenue in New York City. The Bethlehem Engineering Corp. originally planned to build a 25 to 50-story office building. Fate would have different plans. The company defaulted on the bank loan, and the land was resold to the Empire State Corporation. The building was the brainchild of a man by the name of John J. Raskob, who, along with Pierre DuPont, had purchased General Motors. He hoped to build the tallest building in New York City. It was an added bonus that his rival, Walter Chrysler, was hoping to do the same thing, and the two men set out to outdo each other. Raskob, of course, financing the Empire State Building, and Walter Chrysler, the Chrysler Building. Empire State, Inc., purchased the property along with some adjacent properties to ensure that they had the two acres needed to build the base of the building. Construction began on March 17, 1930. It was the first building in the world, not the city, the world, to have more than 100 floors. A number of companies put in bids to do the construction, but ultimately, Starrett Brothers and Eakin were given the job. They understood that this was not going to be a typical job and that items had to be made off-site and be ready to be put in place upon its arrival on Fifth Avenue. They hired out companies who could do just that. 
each step of the process was meticulously planned and coordinated. Before the new building could go up, the Waldorf Astoria had to come down. People from all over the country wrote in about how they wanted mementos from the famed hotel and an auction was held and the debris was dumped into the Atlantic Ocean. So think of that next time you go swimming there. Now, the design of the building. When the Empire State Building was completed, the builders succeeded in building the tallest skyscraper in the world. In fact, it was a title that the building held for almost four decades. It lost that title to One World Trade when it was completed in 1970. Today, it is the seventh tallest building in New York City, not the world, New York City. The design of the building was modeled after a pencil, of all things, very apropos for the start of school. The design was modified 15 times, and they went back and forth competing with the Chrysler building. 500 trucks brought the perfectly prefabricated materials that were brought to the building site each day. 60,000 tons of steel was produced in Pittsburgh and then brought to New York City. A railway was built at the construction site in order to move materials quickly, and cafeterias were set up within the building so that the workers could stay on site for their lunch and for their breaks. Efficiency was key. You have 3,500 workers from 60 different trades, and it took only 13 months or 410 days to construct this building. Amazing. The steel workers who worked on the building were known as Sky Boys. The building has 210 steel columns, and the machinery used at the time could only carry beams 30 stories. So a system of derricks was used to bring the prefabricated steel beams to where they needed to go. Derricks are similar to cranes, but they have this vertical stationary mass that extends from the base and a movable boom. So this system allowed them to go higher than the 30 stories. The system was so awe-inspiring that it would often stop people in their tracks and they would watch the steel beams rise up into the New York City sky. Sky boys worked in groups to attach the beams together. Amazingly, they were not tethered to the building, nor did they even wear hard hats, which is crazy to me. I can't even stand on a step stool without starting to sweat. So to me, that's pretty outrageous. They were steel workers with absolute nerves of steel. It's important to note that this building is going up during the Great Depression, as I mentioned earlier. You have people desperately looking for work, waiting on lines to get a meal at a soup kitchen. But there, right on Fifth Avenue, is this incredible example of American ingenuity and greatness going up higher and higher each day. There are incredible videos that exist that show the construction of this building. The crowds dressed in suits and hats standing on the street to watch this all go down. The police officers on horseback directing traffic and these now vintage cars of the 1930s driving by. The men working on the building, walking along the beam so quickly, jumping down to a lower beam, no ropes, nothing. It's such a beautiful window 
of an era long gone. The outside of the building is covered in Indiana limestone and glass. The materials from the outside of the building arrived pre-cut and ready to go. All the workers had to do was simply put it in place. Deep below street level, there are wind tunnels at the bottom of the building. And these wind tunnels help to bring fresh air to the higher floors. Also, very interesting fact, a river used to run below where the building now stands. And every now and then with heavy rainfall, water will still seep through the floor and need to be drained. How interesting is that? When the building opened on May 1st, 1931, 45 days ahead of schedule, President Herbert Hoover dedicated New York City's Empire State Building by pressing a button in the White House that turned on the building's lights for the very first time. 350 guests attended the opening ceremony, including New York Governor Franklin D. Roosevelt and former Governor Alfred E. Smith. And in his remarks, Governor Roosevelt, who would, of course, go on to become the next president of the United States, stated that the building was a symbol of vision and faith. The Empire State Building would go on to become and remain one of the most famous buildings in New York City. On July 28, 1945, a B-25 Mitchell bomber plane was flying from Massachusetts to Newark Airport and crashed into the 78th and 79th floors of the Empire State Building. The pilot, a man by the name of Lieutenant Colonel William Franklin Smith Jr., he had become disoriented by the fog, turned right instead of left after passing the Chrysler Building and hit the building. The fire took 40 minutes to get out and 14 people were killed. The damage cost a million dollars to repair and it only took a week of repairs to fix the building. The lobby of the Empire State Building was designated as a New York City landmark in 1981 and a national historical landmark in 1986. For those of you who love visiting historical landmarks and especially Art Deco buildings, there's a wonderful article from the Art Deco Society of New York, and it's written by a man by the name of Frank J. Priel Jr., who worked on the restoration. In the article, he discusses how Art Deco is based on these classical principles, but they introduce the concepts of speed, energy, efficiency, and the machine age. And those were expressed through both form and materials. And since the lobby is a New York City landmark, any changes being considered required the approval from the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission. The scarcity of historic images of the original lobby made restoration difficult until a series of photographs that were taken immediately after the building's completion were made available to the team. The team worked with Evergreen Architectural Arts, who is the preeminent mural restoration firm in the United States. So when those photographs were provided to the team, before that, they weren't even sure the mural ever really existed because the original ceiling had been covered up. Two very fortunate events provided important clues. As the team worked, restorers discovered remnants of the mural. Over time, smoke and water damage had caused the mural to separate from the ceiling. And in the 1960s, it had been covered with a lead-based paint, followed by the installation of a drop tile ceiling and, of all things, a fluorescent light fixture. 
The original mural depicted the heavens filled with suns and moons, stars, planets, all against a background of very small squares that had not been visible in the photographs. With the aid of a computer, they were able to determine the repeating pattern over the full length of the mural. The design was similar to the constellations on the great sky ceiling at Grand Central Terminal. In the case of the Empire State Building, the theme was reinterpreted for the modern age. Stars became gears and planets became wheels, and it resembled the machinery found under the hood of an automobile or inside a finely crafted watch. In 2007, artists set out to recreate the mural of the lobby. It took two years and 20,000 hours of work and cost $12.5 million. The full-scale restoration project to modernize the building and make it more energy efficient cost over $30 million. Such an iconic building got a much-needed update to secure this incredible building into its next 100 years. When people think of the Empire State Building, they often think of it being lit up. Today, the lights on the Empire State Building are LED lights. At one point, they had helium lights. Back then, to change the colors of the lights took a team of electricians almost an entire day. But today, it is, of course, much easier. To have the Empire State Building lit up for your organization, you have to submit an application on their website and get it approved by a special committee. So if you have an organization and you're interested in doing that, it's a great way to highlight the good that your organization does. When the building opened up in 1931, 75% of the offices remain vacant. For the most part, with skyscrapers, the higher the floor, the higher the rent. Newspapers dubbed the new building the empty state building. Sounds like a New York Post article, if you ask me. Between the 1920s and 1930s, so many new buildings had sprung up in the city, and there was an abundance of office space available. Couple that with the Great Depression, you have this incredible building, the tallest building in the world up until the 1970s, and it was mostly empty. The 1933 film King Kong would help to cement the Empire State Building status as one of New York City's most iconic buildings. The opening of the observation deck also helped to make the building make ends meet, so to say. The main observatory deck is located on the 86th floor. There is another observation deck located on the 102nd floor. The one-of-a-kind elevator will have you on the 86th floor in less than a minute. It offers 360-degree views of the city, and on very clear days, you can see up to six states. Now, what are those states? New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Delaware. It's an incredible view, but like all things in New York City, it'll cost you, at a minimum, about $50. In 1938, it cost $1. It is a quintessential New York City moment, though, one that I think every New Yorker and tourist alike should do. Maybe get a good New York City bagel or local favorite, bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll, and sip some coffee overlooking the magnificent city. In 1950, a radio antenna 200 feet tall was installed, and by 1953, radio stations could now pay a fee to broadcast their shows from the Empire State Building. The building was finally starting to turn a profit. In 1980, the building was given its very own zip code. In New York City, for example, 
42 buildings have their own zip code. This is done because of how much mail tenants in these type of buildings receive. If you are in New York City, go to the top of the Empire State Building. If you have gone, but years ago, go again. New York City is alive. It's always changing. And for what it's worth, in my opinion, it's a view you just can't beat. Thanks for listening to U.S. History Repeated. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parler. Visit our website, ushistoryrepeated.com, and subscribe to our podcast. There's always more to learn. Talk to you soon.